And so this morning, I want you to take out your Bibles with me, and we're going to look in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. And uh, we're going to talk about, which I know that no one ever has gone through a difficult time in their life. And we're going to talk about how to stand strong in difficult times. How many of you know that maybe you're coming out of a hard time, or you're going into a hard time, or you're getting out of a hard time, but somewhere along the line, you're going to face a hard time and difficult moments. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so right now, I want you to read 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm just going to read, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. Say a great famine. The siege, I want you to say that word, the siege. Okay, it lasted so long, listen to what it says, that a donkey's head sold for eight pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung, if you don't know what that is, that's what doves leave behind when they land on your tree, okay? Sold for five pieces of silver. One day as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, if the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is the matter? She replied, the woman said to me, come on, let us eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. I mean, that sounds like desperate times. Okay. So we cooked my son and ate him. And the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elijah's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elijah was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Azza, uh, thank you, Elisha. Okay, I was I, I caught breath between there. Y'all just pray for me, okay? Elijah said to the elders, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out, Okay. And so what happens, we will soon hear the master's steps following him. And so, and, and so while Elijah was still saying this, the messenger arrived, and the king, the king said, and all of this misery is from the, from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elijah said, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not be able to eat any of it. Father, this morning, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just come. And that you would speak to our hearts. Open our ears to hear from you. Lord, we come humbly. We know that, that God, that we live in a day when there's desperate times in our country. And even in the world. There's such a desperateness for, for truth. Lord, there's such, a, there's such a, a moment in history that we need you more than any time we've ever needed you before. 
And so, Father, we come as desperate people, humble, and saying, God, speak to us. Feed us your word this morning. Let us feast at your table. Let us put our feet under the banquet table of the Lord this morning. Allow you to begin to feed us and mold us and shape us into the people that you want us to be. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, you know, I believe this. You were born for battle. Say, I was born for battle. You know, for either you're in a battle or you're getting ready for a battle. And I know this. Jesus said when the storm comes, it's not if the storm comes, when the storm comes. He says, when, you know, you know, and it's like when. And so the day you give, I believe this, the day that you give your heart away to Jesus and you walk in a personal relationship with him, that means you have an encounter with him. That one day you were living a certain way, and then you came and you bowed your heart, your will, your desires, and say, God, I give you all of me because I want all of you. Come on, I mean, that what you want. And what happens is God invades your heart, and then he fills you. Then you say, God, I need your power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And God fills you with his spirit. I remember the day that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember I cried, I laughed, I spoke in tongues. But the most important thing that I had in my life was this. It wasn't just the tongues, but it was the power to overcome that I never had before. I mean, I'm talking about. And some people struggle with just going, how do I overcome this? I've had people, I remember my dad just had a hard time getting rid of cigarettes in his life. And he'd smoke a cigarette and then he'd get mad at it and he'd cuss at the cigarette. Like it was a cigarette, you know what I mean? You, sorry, blah, 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 and stop it. You know, I can remember the day that I remember I'd been saved for a week, and, and I was on the rig, and I, and I didn't smoke Salem Lights. I smoked Marlboros. Marlboro Country. And I remember, I remember coming to that point in my life, I was just like, you know, it's like I smoked all the Marlboros I had. I had a, I had a carton. And I remember smoking one, and I was like, man, these are gross. And then and I, I, I said, God, I, I really want to serve you. And I remember smoking about the third one, and I, I polluted the Gulf of Mexico. I threw the whole carton in the Gulf. And at that day, from that day on, I never picked one up, but it was the power of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I had the ability not to lie anymore. How I many you know that sometimes you can lie? You, you're so good at lies, you have to lie about the lie, about the lie that you told about the lie. Come on. Come on, some of you getting set free right now. <laughs> and, and so what happens is, you know, it's like, you know, this is what, you know, what, what God did is God took me out of a position where sin ruled my heart. Are you understanding me? That doesn't mean that I've never sinned since. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that God began to get me out of neutral. I mean, you know, you can press the gas, but if you put it in neutral, you're not going backward or forward unless there's a hill. And then you're going, oh, God, I need a direction. And so what happens is, that's what sin does. It puts you in neutral. And what happens is, it, it, what happens is people say, it's like, kind of like this. People say this, you know, instead of dealing with their own personal life and trusting God with their life, I just need a break. Tell me what I'm talking about. You can go, you can have a break. You can go to Europe. You can go see the, you can go to Italy. You can go to see all kinds of things. But you come back and you still need a vacation away from your vacation. What God does is God gives you rest in your spirit and in your heart. Am I in the right church? You see, we ask, you know, you know sometimes we have this dilemma. I, I, I know it sometimes because I've been there. We ask, Lord, is this you or is this the devil? 
Have you ever asked that? You know, you're going through a hard time. Lord, is this you? May this toothpick, can this pass, Lord? It's kind of like being in a snake church, you know, and they give you a snake, and you're supposed to say something. I, I, be, I know what I'd be saying spiritually. Me, oh, my, pass them on by. Hippo shy. You know what I mean? But what happens is, is, it, is this, is it what happens is we ask, we, I know this. If it's from the Lord or if it's from the enemy, I know there's one thing I need to do in both. I need to trust God. See, Peter says this, 1 Peter, and I'm going somewhere. I'm just trying to get the canvas right. These, you know, 1 Peter, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. Now think about that. These trials will show your faith is genuine. We know that all, how many know that all things work together for good for those that trust him? That, that may not mean that we see what God does for good next week. That might not see that we see that God, what God does for good in a month or a year or even in our lifetime, but we know that God works all things out for his good. Am I, am I in the right place? And so what happens is it, it, it goes on and it says, it, it is a testing, as far tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far, from more, uh, far more precious than mere gold. So when, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. What does that mean? That through whatever we face, whatever we go through, God is refining us. God, it's like a refiner's fire. The heat gets hotter, and God begins to get the impurities. How I many you know when you go through something, something difficult? Sometimes, sometimes we see things come out of us that we don't like, or we say things that we go, "I didn't know that was in me." Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you get you get a person that annoys the heck out of you. And God planted them right there at your job site. And you're going, Lord, get rid of them. The Lord goes, no, I'm keeping them just for you. Because <laughs> what God is doing is that this is what it says. It's like purified gold. What God is trying to do is purifying us. He's, 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 what's happened is gold, when you look in it and it becomes totally pure, all you can do, you look in it's like a mirror and it's a reflection. And God wants to put his reflection on you and me. When we walk in dark places, all of a sudden we reflect who Jesus is and our circumstances and our situations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a refl- we become a reflection of what he is. And see, I know this. You see, you know, in Hebrews, uh, somewhere along the line, we're going to have to be faith people. I'm going to talking about faith people. What does that mean? You and I are going to have to have faith somewhere in our life. If you, I love the book of Hebrews 11 because it's, it's just... It's a, pe- it's a faith people. It's Abraham believing God that he called him to a place, that he was giving him a people. Uh, uh, Isaac and how God delivered him. We look at Noah, that God would speak to him, and he had to walk by faith, not, no, never seen rain before and had to build an ark. You know, and all of a sudden we begin to see this. And, and uh, you know, what is faith? It is the confident assurance of what we hope for is going to happen. It's evidence of things you cannot see yet. There are some people who don't need the enemy to deceive them. They do a good job by themselves. What are you saying? You know, it's, it's like I heard a story of this guy, this little kid. He went and built a treehouse. And when he thought he was going to just have a fire in his treehouse, in a tree. So he made a fire. He burnt the treehouse down. He died because he couldn't get out because of the fire. And he burnt the tree. When they went and investigated, he set himself on fire and burned it down. And I believe that sometimes what happens is he lit his own fire that burned him up. 
And sometimes we have to be careful because there are people that walk around with just strange fires. Are you hearing what I'm saying? James says it like this. It says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes great speeches. But a tiny spark set a great forest on fire. I love what Proverbs 26.20 says. It's not in your notes, but I'll give it to you. It says, fire goes out without wood. That's pretty smart. It says, and quarrels disappear. Listen what it says, when gossip stops. I heard a lady came to the church one time, and the pastor came, in and they were talking about gossip, and she came down to the altar, and and, she, and the, Lord, the pastor goes, what are you here for? And she says, well, God's been doing with me about my tongue. He said, honey, your tongue, ain't, this altar ain't big enough for your tongue. <laughs> but it is. You see, Jesus, I think about this, is that everyone, I, I, I know this, that in the battle, you and I find out who we are in the storms of life. How many are you talking about? Everyone can serve God when it's nice and sunny and great. Amen. Jesus brings his disciples to the other side. You know the stories where he brings them in the boat, and he invites them in the boat, and he leaves this great meeting, and, and the storm comes, and it gets dark, and it gets rough, and they get shaken. You know, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Just, how many of you have ever been in a storm? Like, okay? How many, in a boat? Okay, not fun. I was tied to a sea buoy for 11 days in a storm. Okay, I gave up. I made long-distance calls to Europe. I was Europe and everywhere. And I remember I just said, God, if you get me up, I'll serve you. And that's where God began to really speak to me in my life. It was in a storm. But Jesus helps his disciples discover who they really are when they're inside the boat, in the storm. It's just kind of like this. How many of you have been on an airplane? I've taken overseas flights, and all of a sudden, and you start feeling this little, and the light comes on. And then the captain goes, we are fixing to go through some incredible turbulence. Hold on for your life. Ah! You know what I'm talking about? I mean, all of a sudden you're just, I've been on those things where it's dropped. You know, a couple hundred, you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to exaggerate. But I mean, it dropped and you're going, ooh. And if you weren't, if you weren't praying in tongues, if you didn't never pray in tongues, you were praying in tongues. I promise you. If you just never prayed in the spirit, you were praying in the spirit. You were just like everything. Come, you know what I'm talking about? You were, you were repenting of everything you knew because you wanted to go down. Because you, if you go down, you want to go up, right? I heard of a, uh, a story of this plane that were in the, the Caribbean. And a guy, one guy, there was two people who survived, and one guy was a Christian. And he said, in the middle of the storm, the plane was going down. It was shaking. People were freaking out. And he said, the crazy thing, instead of people crying out to God, people were cursing God on the way down. And he said, I was just praying. I was trying to talk to people. Sensibly, Jesus, Jesus. He was just, how many of you ever been in those things? You know, you ever get in your car and it starts sliding, and you're just going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you see an old lady coming at you in the Walmart, and she's coming. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anyway, just. <laughs> Don't tell me that there's things that hadn't scared you, and it shows you what's inside of you. Instead of Jesus, you might go, oh, bleh. Come on, anybody here like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I don't want to. I just want to talk about three things you should not turn to during hard times. 
Okay, three things real quick. I'm not going to be long. And in this story, you see what happens. Elisha comes to the king, and he wanted to take Samaria. And what God told him, he said, no, you're not going to take Samaria. And Elijah begins to speak to the people what God was going to do. God was bringing judgment on the people. And, he, he, and the number one is turning to eat anything. You know, we live in a, it's amazing when people get hungry, what they listen to and what, what, they, what, what, what they do and when they, what they eat and what they believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's amazing. You could turn on at 2 o'clock in the morning because you can't sleep, and they got somebody talking about how you can live your life, and, you know what I mean, or make your life better, and all of a sudden you buy the book, you buy the tapes, and you realize it's just a ripoff. I mean, I'm talking about. You can watch Oprah. Oprah can't help you. Dr. Phil can't help you. Dr. Oz. I mean, you know, I mean, you, we, people look at all these, pe- these things, and, and we'll believe, and it's kind of like, Dove's dung, it represents what's left when God's spirit isn't there. You know, people are trying to figure out how to live their lives. When, you know, think about it. When God made us, he designed us, he knows exactly what we need to have inside of us. It's kind of like trying to put sugar into your gas tank. You may have hyped up. Yeah! <laughs> if it has a little gas mixed in it, but you're going to have a breakdown. Are you hearing me? And we have a lot of people that are putting additives that don't need to be there, and then their lives and their marriages are in a breakdown because what they're doing, they're just feeding off, you know, a donkey's head. In a famine, we look to the things that are most popular. In my generation, I remember Mr. Ed. That's like Mr. Ed talking to me. That's like going to your Uncle Chuck who just doesn't, he go, Uncle Chuck, what do you think about life? And he don't know nothing. You know, I just think, it's getting counsel. It's just like getting counsel from, from someone that, you know, just a talking head. I think about you turn to eat anything, and I think in the Bible where the prodigal son, he came, and he was in a famine. Remember, he lived like a prince, and he was reduced to fight for food that were, they were feeding pigs with. It's amazing during times, difficult times, what people do. You know, more than think about this, more than half of the Christians in our society, in our country today, and this is sad, think about this, when you think about it, more than half of Christians can't tell you who wrote the Sermon on the Mount. Or that know the Ten Commandments, just know them. I don't say do them in order, but just know them. You know, the Bible says, my people destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Listen, what is that saying? Listen, the greatest friend, the greatest thing you can do is turn to the word of God. Listen, when, you, when you're in trouble, when you need things, it's the word of God. The word of God is like a compass. It will show you what direction you need to walk in, how you need to walk, where you need to go, how you make decisions, how to be a good father, how to be a leader in your household, how to be a good wife, how to honor, how to be a, how to be a good mother or a good father to bless your children and give them direction instead of giving them direction to the TV control. You know, it's amazing what we eat. You know, it's amazing if you go to a foreign country. McDonald's is like health food in foreign countries. I can remember being in Haiti, and one of the things, before they had all the storms, I used to go there every year with a guy named Sister Dula. Y'all remember any of y'all? Some old-timers. How many of y'all remember Sister Dula? She's gone on to be with the Lord. She, she started an orphanage when she was 60 years old, and she ran that orphanage until she was 83 years old. 
She had a second grade education. You know how she started? She, go, she started going to visit people in the convalescent home. And the Lord spoke to her. She said, I want you to go to Haiti. She said, my Lord, I don't know many, many in Haiti. She was a Cajun lady. And I remember she went there and she raised up ten orphanages. Four churches. She called me, Baba. Praise the Lord, baby. God's good. I'd go there, and I remember looking at people, and they're washing their clothes in a sewage ditch and hanging them up. I remember during the storm, there was, there was, a, there was a storm. There was rain, rain that came, and in the rain, I saw this block of ice, and it was being washed away with all the sewage and everything, and a guy grabbed it with the tongs and put it back. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? So you go give a McDonald's hamburger, that's like health food over there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I believe this. And spiritually in our country, we're full of activity, but we're but but Bible truth, we're very illiterate. We have a lot of activity. We do a lot of things. But to have truth, truth, what truth does? The Bible says truth sets you free. Not truth. Not truth from philosophy, not Plato, not, you know, Picasso. If you look at a a painting, I'm talking about the truth of the word of God, the very word that was spoken by the the mouth of God. You know, we've never seen God. Moses said he saw part of God, but you know what? You can hear the voice of God. Anybody that ever heard the word of the voice of God in the Bible fell to their face. That means that they had a revelation. They didn't, hey, I don't need to see him. I heard him. The second thing is, are y'all with me? Thing is, you got to watch it. You just don't eat anything. The second thing is, people begin to turn on each other. For, the Bible says in Galatians, for the whole law can be summed in this one command. I'm going to teach you. You're going to be an Old Testament theologian scholar. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says, but if, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. That sounds like some of my family get-togethers. You know what I'm talking about? Beware of destroying one another. That's what the Bible says. Beware. As soon as a storm comes, you see it. People turn on each other. You ever see those videos where they have a storm or something happens or something bad or something crashes in the store? People are running on top of each other. They don't care. They just went out. And see, what he's saying here is this. When you need someone, especially in your marriage, a husband and wife, that's not the time when, it's, when it's, you're going through a hard time, a difficult time, or a storm in your marriage. It's not a time to turn on each other. It's time to turn on to each other. Are you hearing me? Then you need each other. It's not a time where you go, if you would have, well, if you would have, if you would have said, if you would have said, and you say, hey, you know what? I don't know what to do. Let's just get on our knees. Let's pray. God help us. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know what decision to make. But God, we're turning to you. Don't turn on each other. Jesus said any kingdom divided amongst itself won't stand. And the third thing is people turn away from truth. See, the king in the story tore his clothes and he wore sackcloth. It represented, he was sorry. His response was, Elisha, that preacher, 
that church has done this to me. They did me wrong. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He said he has a sign of sorrow. The king was sad about the conditions, but he wasn't repentant. He blamed God in the church when all else, you know, when, all, when everything else fails, the church gets the blunt and Christians get the blunt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be surprised. So this is what I always say. Let's, let's break it down. You know, they blame God and they blame the church. And what happens, well, you know, that church, and I go, well, how many people are in that church? Oh, I don't know, 50. So all 50 came at you? Well, it was one. Okay, let's break it down. There's 100 million Christians. People hurt you. That's a lot of people, right? 100, 100 million people hurt you? Well, not really. Just, it was just one. You see, I believe this, is that no one has caused more misery in your life than yourself. Are you hearing me? You know who's caused the most misery in Bubba McCann's life? Bubba McCann. Don't get mad at the, one, the very ones who try to help you by telling you the truth. Elijah was there just trying to tell the truth. I remember my mom, my grandmother... Before I was a Christian, man, they'd be trying to tell me stuff, and I just got like, y'all crazy. Y'all full of it. Y'all just full of that Bible. Crazy Bible people. Come put anointing oil on my Van Halen poster. My Aerosmith T-shirt had an oil stain where you put your hand on it. You know, I mean, I mean, what is up? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I walked in the other day. They had some greasy, greasy. It looked like they had handprints on the door of the church. He said, oh, the prayer lady's been anointing, anointing the door. I said, praise God. But see, it's, we got to stand for truth. I think about John the Baptist. When he stood for the truth, he looked at Herod. And he goes, you're living with your brother's wife. You're committing adultery. And he stood. But you know what? He stood. He stood up and they took the axe and they laid it at the root and they cut his head off. You say, well, I don't like the ministry of John the Baptist. I like Jesus' ministry. But sometimes we've got to be willing to stand for the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, there's two things we should turn during hard times to. Here we go. Y'all with me? Number one, you've got to turn to God. One man was trusting for a city, Elisha. He had a word from God for the city. He could have lived any place, but he chose to go right into the famine to make a stand. God is calling us as men and women of God who stand in faith to trust him in the storm. Just trust him. What does that mean? I don't know. Listen, sometimes... Right before the breakthrough, you feel like you're going to get broken, and you're, gonna, you're not going to get the breakthrough. You feel like everything's falling in on you. You feel like the wall's fixing to crash in on you. But the Bible says, you know, stand there for. You know what that means? You learn to stand there for until you find out what you're standing there for. You stand. You don't move. You don't give up. You don't flinch. And there's a lot of things that try to call. God is calling us to be men, women, trust. Remember, what happens is when, you, when you're going through the storm, instead of trying to eat anything, anything this world or, or what they have on Facebook, what they say about things and stuff like that, don't believe everything on Facebook. Keep your face in the book. 
That's where the truth is. You know, don't believe everything you hear on the news. I don't care if it's Fox, CNBC, or what, MSNBC, ABC, Communist Broadcasting. No, but anyway, just, you know, I could go through all those things. But the, the, the thing is, is that, you know what? If you want to know what God says and what he says about what's going on in the world, look into the book. Elijah had a revelation. When you have a word from God, you can stand. Have you believe that? See, my responsibility as a pastor and as your pastor is to get you into the word of God to give you something that you can stand on. When you're going through your storm, you say, I know Pastor Josh shared something a couple weeks ago. Pastor Bubba said something. I need to look at that. Oh, you know, God spoke to me through the word I was reading and I was studying. And, you know, in our life group, when they were talking about so-and-so, you know what? I can do that. I heard it on the radio that they said this. And you know what? You find something that you can stand on. See, the second thing is turn away from unbelief. Unbelief sounds so responsible sometimes. All you need need in a meaning is someone to give a statement about unbelief. Well, Brother Leroy, I don't think we're going to build the prayer room. The church budget doesn't allow us to buy the purple carpet. Give me a break. You know, anyone can predict disaster. I'm, you know, talking about it's going to pour, you know, it's going to be bad. And people go, oh. Just because you've got religion doesn't mean you've got faith. Y'all miss that. Some of that. Just because you have religion doesn't mean you've got faith. Maybe you thought out unbelief. I don't want someone to come pray over me that got unbelief. And I don't want to go visit people and I'm praying unbelief over someone in a hospital bed or in hospice. And people are going, well, you know, God's just not going to, they're going to die. I'm not going there for them to die. I'm going there to have, for them to have some resurrection power. And maybe God will raise them up and God will do something and he'll get the glory in all of it. Amen? Amen. Don't come to my hospital bed and say, Pastor, we heard you got cancer and you're dying. Thank you. That's so spiritual. I remember my mom called me. She goes, baby, y'all, y'all take this off of tape right here, right? And she goes, I never thought one of my children would die before me. And you know what I thought in my mind? I'm doing your funeral, mama, in my brain. Oh, by the way, can I just tell you something? I got a good report this week. All right? Listen to me. Listen, to, I'm just telling you, how many of you been praying for me? Amen. Don't stop. Okay, my calcium level was 33 in January. A healthy calcium level in the blood that they look for in me is 1.96. My blood was 1.47 this past week. Yeah. Oh, it gets better than that. She goes, you're in remission. you but I feel like a run coming on me I feel like a run Woo! dear God I ought to do three laps but can I tell you something and I, I looked at her and I said well doc you think God's doing a miracle 
She goes, well, I said, you know, I'm believing for divine healing. And my wife goes one time, she goes, well, how come every time we go to the doctor, you tell the doctor you believe in divine healing? I said, to remind her and remind me what I'm believing God for. Listen, just because I'm a preacher, can I just say something? Just because I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher doesn't mean that I have some kind of special thing on me. Are you hearing me? It's kind of like Latimer when he stood before the king. And Latimer in his voice said, be careful. You're standing before the king. Watch what you say. And then right when he got up to the pulpit to preach, to the king, he heard the Holy Ghost say, be careful, Latimer, because be careful what you say, because you're speaking before the king of kings. And see, for every one of us, listen, one day, it's not about where I came from, who I was, that one day that I'll go. I met Christ. I became a Christian and I lived out Christianity to what I knew to be the fullest, to bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. And all I want to hear, like all of you, is well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. He didn't go, oh, by the way, preacher Bubba. No, I'm going to have a new name. I don't mean me Shambach or something. I don't know, just, I don't know. What does God have to do with us? He wants us to fight the fight of faith. Are you hearing me? See, the battle is won or lost. Will we trust God? Jesus said, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long will I put up with you? Jesus connected unbelief with perversion. Think about it. Unbelief is a deadly sin, not something you play with. If faith is the mother of all virtue, then unbelief is the mother of all evil. Because see, what, what happens if you look in the scripture, it said in, in, in Hebrews 3, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your, own heart, that, that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Unbelief, everything starts right there when we stop believing in unbelief. The long, you know what the, death, the longest death march was in history? It was the children of Israel walking around the desert for 38 years that wiped out a generation because they wouldn't believe God for the promised land. Think about it. It was unbelief. Revelation says this. and It's, it's like toward the end of the book. Revelation is 21, and I'm not trying to be a... Uh, I'm just going to this. It says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worships, and all liars, their faith is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Think about it. Notice a company of unbelief. What it says right there. Popular opinion sells records. Popular opinion may change a tune, but it can't change a heart. You see... I used to listen to a lot of different kind of music, and that was my anthem. I would sing whatever that music was like, and that was my anthem. But you know what? Now I have a new anthem, and it's I worship the king. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I know God's changed your anthem. And, you know, the gospel is like Pastor Josh said. It's good news. We don't fight. Listen, listen. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We fight from Jesus' victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We fight from his victory. And so what happens is ignoring judgment will not make you go. It's not going to make it go away like in this story. We'll be judged for what we do and what we don't do. It's not like a, well, I don't want to be careful. 
There's some Christian bookstores, they don't have any books anymore. They just got Christian junk. And it's overpriced. There's a reason for the unreasonableness of the cross. It was unreasonable for Jesus to go to the cross. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's unreasonable for some of the things that some of you've walked through in your life, some of the hardships and some of the things that, that, that you've had to endure. But because you've walked through the, the unreasonableness, it's unreasonable that a baby would die. It's unreasonable that a marriage would break apart and a child would be brokenhearted that he can't, he can't, can't have his family back like he desired. It's unreasonable. But there was a reason for the cross. The unreasonableness said it brought reason that the reason was that you and I, we were separated from God, that we can come and know God in a real way. And it's not about a religion, because when we, go, when we stand before the King of Kings, he's not going to go, because you were a good Baptist, because you were a good Catholic, because you were a good Episcopalian, because you were, no, because you love Jesus and you were a Christian and you love me, enter into your rest. Wow. Let me just wrap it up with a bow, if I can. How do you get out of the siege? First, let me just, real quick. Number one, check your heart. If it's not where it should be, you need to repent. What does that mean, that you ask God to forgive you? And not only that you ask him to forgive you, he that he changed your heart and he gives you a hatred for that very thing that had you gripped in your life. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? Let me, sin always, look at me. Sin always thrives in isolation. What did the enemy do to Eve? He got her isolated, right? And began to speak lies into her and she began to believe it. And she went and found her husband and she began to speak the same lie that the The enemy had spoken to her with reason. And what happens is sin always thrives in isolation. You know, if you flirt with it, you'll fall into it. It's like if you, it's like a little boy, if you set a fire in your treehouse and you set a fire in the deck, you're going to burn yourself up. And just remember this, pride always blinds us to our own weaknesses. Have you ever walked in pride before? Come on, don't be proud and don't... How many of you have never walked in pride? Pride. Oh, good. We've got some humble people here. But see, here's the thing. The enemy will tell you. Listen to what he'll tell you. Listen to me. Here's the lie. The enemy will tell you it's such a long way back to God. How can you? And he'll give you all the list of reasons. How many of you I'm talking about? He'll give you the list of reasons. But what he'll say, that the truth is when you turn back, when you turn, you are back. That's the truth. When you say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. And I'm turning to you. God goes, come on, enter in your rest. I'm with you. The second thing is, remember this. You got to remember the promises that God gives us. I love when David's dying on his death, King David, and he says, God has not forsaken any of his promises to me. He saw throughout his lifetime, God never forsook any of his promises. None of them. You see, another thing is that we need to do, if we're going to walk in victory, and we're going to walk from victory, his victory, surround yourself with godly people. What does that mean? People either bring you to your destiny or keep you from it. 
Listen, people will bring you to your destiny or they'll keep you from it. How many of you have ever had people just tell you something stupid? And it sounded like they were trying, they were really trying to sound sophisticated, wise, and, and everybody goes, Well, yeah, you gonna do that? Heck no. That's stupid. Or they give you marriage advice. You know what? You go tell that lady of yours. First of all, pull your drawers up, son. And then this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell that bag of dirt. Listen, if I talk to my wife like that, there'd be a, I'd have a split head with a frying pan going right through the middle of it. You know? And, and, and it's like, let me just say this. Surround yourself with people that will speak the truth to you. Hey, bro, you know what? You can't talk to your wife that way. I've learned this. If you want a good marriage, it's like a good bank account. The more deposits you put into it, the more withdrawals you can take down the road. Listen, right before hunting season, I try to put as many deposits. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. I'm not a lying preacher. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, right? I got a motive. I'm going hunting. But first of all, I got to hunt the first lady. Come on. And the last thing is, shut the door to unbelief. Shut the door and kick the devil in the mouth. Shut the door. You know that song? Shut the door. My wife was singing that the other day. Think about it. Jesus shut the door. Elisha shut the door too. Jesus said, when you shut the door, pray. In this story, if you go back at the beginning... Right here, in the, in the, and he says this. He says in verse uh, 32, he said, he said, when he arrives, he says, shut the door and keep him out. What does that mean? I'm going to stand. I'm not going to move. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to pray till God shows up, and I'm going to shut the door to unbelief. And in other words, you know what? If, if, if somebody tries to come in the door, you just go, I'm not standing there. Jesus, the best way to keep the enemy out is to keep Jesus in. The best way to get the enemy out of your life is to keep Jesus in. You know, they had that old portrait where Jesus is knocking on the door. And, you know, there's no knob on the outside of that door. There's only a knob on the inside of the door because we're the only one that can let him in. And we also are the only ones that can grieve him out. You see, I just want to say this. I don't know what you're walking through. But I just prayed this morning. And I just felt like the Lord just said, you know, Bob, there's people that they're walking in a storm. And it's very difficult. And they need to shut the door to unbelief. Because, see, some of you, maybe you found some out some news this week. And, and, and people have told you. Or maybe you walked in here and you felt insecure and you just felt like, man, no one likes me. No one cares for me. No one, I've gone to many trips. and they're friendly. They were nice to me. They said hi to me. Maybe you have a low self-esteem. And when's the last time you let Jesus whisper it in your ear and him tell you what he thinks about you? 
Because see, sometimes, how many of you know we all have voices speak to us? You have your voice, you have the, the enemy's voice, and then you have God's voice. Sometimes we need to let the voice that still, that still small voice speak the loudest. And sometimes you got to learn to be quiet. And so, God, here I am. I don't know where you're at in your storm, but it's a time. It, it, it's, it's not time to eat anything. It's not time to, to eat on, attack each other or blame someone or point your finger at someone else. It's not time to turn away from truth. It's time to turn to God. It's time to turn away from unbelief. Because when I turn to God and I hear and I see what he says in his word, it's filled with hope. It's filled with destiny. It's filled with a future. It's filled with a dream and a vision for your life. Amen? I want to do this. I want you to just close your eyes. I just want it to be quiet. You can play the guitar. That's fine. Be quiet. And I just want you to ask God to come and speak to you. And this is what I want you to ask God. God, what do you think about me? Just ask him. sitting there somewhere. I don't know who you are, but I felt like the Lord just say that he loves you. He loves you. Even though you have a low self-esteem, even though you feel like people think things about you, he wants you to know that he loves you. Sir, maybe you had a problem with your daddy, but God wants to come and embrace you as the father you always dreamed of having. He's proud of you. He loves you. Father, I thank you that you're not dead and you're not silent. That God, that you love your people. You came to set us free. That's what your truth is all about. To bring freedom. That means those that were captive, that's us. Even like the children of Israel, they were captive by a slave master, Pharaoh. We were captive by this world and the enemy of this world. But God, you brought us to another side. It's a side of promise. It's a side of deliverance. It's a side of freedom. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like, Pastor Bubba, I'm really not free from some things in my life, but this morning, I want Jesus to set me free from these things that I know that I've battled. No one looking around and saying, that's me, Pastor. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to just trust him with all my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll pray for you this morning. Just raise your hand. It's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Many people. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just going, I believe this. Look at me. Let me just say this. I believe there's some of you, you just need to let people pray for you. I believe that there's some of you that are here this morning. That, you know, that's where I was sharing. One of the ways to get, to get out of the siege is sometimes just get godly people around you and to pray over you. 
and speak truth to you. And that means sometimes when you come to get prayer, you say, this is what I've been believing, but today I need God to set me free. Listen, and that takes guts. That means getting out of your chair, coming up here, being vulnerable. But can I tell you something? I've done it. And when I've been vulnerable, when I've been truthful, God's met me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? If we just be humble, that means just, you know what that means? Being real for who you are and where you're at and what you need. Amen?